Hello, and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Heroku in the Wild series. Greetings, my name is Becky Hyamet, and I am a product manager here at Salesforce, working with the Salesforce Functions team. And I've been here for almost three years, I've worked before as the product manager for Heroku Postgres, and yeah, I arrived to Salesforce via Heroku. And today uh, we're going to, we, we have with us uh, Electric SMS and also AE Studio. We have uh, Wesley and Melanie. Would you like to introduce yourself, Wesley? Yeah, I'm Wesley Magnus, and I've been working at AE for a little over two years. Before that, I was living on the East Coast. So right now we're based out of Venice, California. Um, but I was living in New York City and Philadelphia. And um, I started a company called Shout that was a hyper-local marketplace. It was really cool. You could buy and sell like restaurant reservations and stuff. And um, we went through Y Combinator. And I basically started my entrepreneurial journey when I was like 20 years old. So eight years later now, moved to California, have a lot more sun in my hair, and I've been working on a lot of really fun stuff with AE and have been here as a entrepreneur in residence and project manager. And earlier you were telling me that something happened to you last week. You got run over by a car. What? <laughs> it didn't run me over. I, I ran over it, actually. Um, the woman did a U-turn and I like to bike. Uh, I'm on a bicycle oftentimes. And yeah, I flew right over the, the hood of the car. <laughs> so I've been... Oh slightly slower at slacking recently. <laughs> and Melanie, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Melanie. I'm a head of technology at EU Studio. Yeah, I've been there for about four years, so a while now. And and before that, I worked at a bunch of other startups like in LA as like a developer or um, like co-founder, CTO. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. I also moved from New York and uh, I was six years ago though and I don't see myself going back now that I've kind of got it finally I'm uh, not sun deprived (laughs) (laughs) and so AE studio uh, subcontracts electric SMS or yeah we're um we're sort of a subsidiary company of AE studio so we very much are still like involved or had been involved initially with AE like we were sort of being incubated by AE and now that we've reached a certain threshold, we are um, spinning it out as its own separate entity or in the process of that. And um, a lot of the work that we do is completely separate from from AE, but we we share resources. Tell me about Electric SMS. You do some uh, mm-hmm. engagement via SMS. I want to hear a lot about it because this is really, really interesting. It's been such a serendipitous surprise for me. I have a roommate who is near and dear to me and she would be up until like three in the morning answering emails. And I thought that she just was like a night owl, but it turns out that she's not. It was the fact that <laughs> most of her customers just didn't know how to log into their accounts. They like forgot their emails and their passwords. And I think we can all kind of relate to that. I even have a password manager and it's still that messes up. So I don't know. It's just a little <laughs> difficult. I don't want to tell you, it took me 30 minutes to get, we use Zencaster app to record this podcast and it did take me 30 minutes to yeah. um, get it going so <laughs> with the password thing. 
that that to me is just like the brightest signal that there's something that needs to be solved. Plus, I also enjoy my sleep, and I live on the bottom floor, so it was selfish too. And I um, I saw that there was a big issue with like forgetting emails and passwords. And she has a really really cool company that empowers um, women who are nutritionally deficient to just take a single vitamin a day, right? And her thing is called Gem. And so in a very short amount of time, I saw that that was a big, big pain point. And I thought of like, well, if you just use someone's phone number as their login, then they wouldn't have to deal with as much of like that, that pain. And so we actually found out through exploring what she was using, which is um, uh, Shopify and a, a plugin called Recharge, that you could automate a lot of the actions that people take on their subscriptions with a phone number. So you can, through subscriptions, usually skip an order, swap to a different um, product or flavor. You can update your billing address. You can you can do a lot of stuff to manage your subscription, but you typically have to log in to their portal to do it, or you have to like reply to an email or whatever. Um, and I'm pretty familiar with messaging bots, you know, where you just say like to like Apple, I don't know if anybody does like Apple support, but you can be like help. And then they'll give you like a couple options in a decision tree. Like, what do you want to do today? Do you want to schedule an appointment? Do you have like um, an issue that you want to uh, submit, whatever. So with Electric SMS and Gem, I saw there being a really simple use case for it where we could help people skip their upcoming orders and swap to new flavors and update their information. That's kind of how we got started. We like over a very short amount of time checked out how quick it would be to build this using like Heroku and Twilio and some of the resources we have at AE. And um, we found out that you know, this was going to be a really cool and simple thing to start building. I want to maybe like ask Melanie if she could explain a bit more about what AE stands for and like what we focus on. Yeah. Yeah. So um, AE uh, stands for agency enterprise. So like agency as in like human agency, empowering people to, we think that like technology should be empowering and like allow people to make decisions that they want to make instead of like you know, tricking them into like mindlessly scrolling on an app for hours or like not being able to, uh, you know, get into their account to change their upcoming order or something like that. Like we think it should be able to help them have more agency. So we started a kind of as like a profitable bootstrapped company um, working mostly with uh, client projects as like the core business. So we're like a development data science and design studio. Um, and so we work with like startups and enterprise companies to like build technology products. That's like the core profitable business. And because we have that, like we can kind of, um, we're not looking for like a quick exit or like, it's not like a big company that we're thinking about like quarterly results in that. We can use that to try to like also think about um, ways to increase human agency through like internal projects, like Electra SMS as like one of them that um, Wesley, you know, thought of as a way to, you know, it's really helps people with like doing, you know, like using subscriptions in a way that's useful for them. And we also think like, you know, it's like how we, we increasing agency is like how we try to, you know, like work with our clients and our employees um, and also through the products. And, mm -hmm. you know, we also think it makes good business sense as well. So it's like a thing that it not only is like good for people, but like, also, usually, like, if you treat your users well, it'll help them, you know, come back and they'll want to keep using you and they'll refer their friends and stuff. So it kind of, like, comes together in something that we think is, like, you know, a good thing for, for us to do thinking about 
you know, what's good for people, but also, you know, what's like good for companies. And I think like Electrosmos is a really good example of how those like come together really nicely. Yeah. So exactly like what Melanie just said, we, we really do believe that like if you treat people well, then you'll have a longer and more profitable relationship with them as opposed to like the dark design stuff where again, you like are kind of holding people's credit card info for hostage where like you don't tell them they're about to get charged and they look back four months later yes. and they're like, I, I just paid $80 for like a toothbrush. Like what? And, and actually, especially right now, you know, when people don't have expendable income and like they're being a little bit more cautious and concerned about where their money's going, it just, it makes so much more sense to be transparent and to be clear about like where your money's going. And so that was the hypothesis with electric SMS. It was literally like we send a text message out to you three days before you get charged. And it gives you the option also at any point to change your subscription. But three days before you get charged, we like give you a heads up. It's like, yo, you're about to pay like 72 bucks for this. Um, reply with modify order or skip this or whatever you'd like. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's like the highest point of engagement too. Because then you get people to respond. Yeah, for someone like me, if I get the same thing in an email, chances are I'm going to ignore it, right? Yes. But if it's an SMS that I just reply and say, actually, no, I don't need an extra toothbrush. Thank you very much. Exactly. So <laughs> that was another reason for SMS. It wasn't just so that it would make it easier to log in. It's like eight times more likely to get not only looked at than an email, but responded to, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Not only responded to, but responded to within the first 15 seconds. Yes. So to me, it was like, again, kind of selfish. I think of myself and like my mom and people that I know who get charged for stuff and they wish they just had a way easier way to control, you know, how to, how to manage that whole thing. So again, our hypothesis was if we treat people well, if we build technology that allows people the transparency and the ability to act on where their money's going, they're going to have a longer relationship with our customers or like with the brands that they're purchasing from. And we've proven that out now with, you know, over 12 companies that are using electric SMS. We're seeing the LTV gains and the churn rate just totally plummet, which is really cool. And it's a hard thing. It's like kind of a paradigm shift, right? Because a lot of companies do it the other way. But when you start to actually see the data like panning out and where, you know, customers go ahead and they do skip, like they skip, they, they say like this month, I don't need it, you know, no big deal. They then go on yeah. to have multiple repurchases because they were given the flexibility that they needed. Yes, I can see like for some, if I have a subscription and I don't want my vegetable box to be delivered the next week, if I be a text message, if I can just say, no, thank you. I'm not going to go mm -hmm. there and be like, oh, this is so annoying. I'm going to just cancel this service exactly because I don't use it half the time. And that's the thing. It's like we would much mm -hmm. rather people just have a longer relationship than cancel immediately. Oh my gosh, I wish that everybody that I, I buy stuff uses this thing. <laughs> it would make my life so much easier. Yeah, it's kind of funny too, because like a lot of companies too think like, well, if I stop people from being able to, can't, like I tried to, I'm not at my apartment as much these days with COVID. And so like I was trying to cancel my gym membership and I like couldn't cancel it in the app, of course. And I had to like email them to like try to cancel it. And then they were like, okay, like now we need to talk to you on the phone, like come into the office, bring your social security card, right? Like, and like people think that that's going to like keep people in there. And I think I might've wound up paying for it for like another month accidentally, but it's not like, I think people are really finding these days that like they don't want to be treated like that. And you might get some like quick gains from people by like tricking them into doing things that they don't want to do, but like over the long term. And then they hate you. Yeah. 
I'm not going to name names, but there's plenty of them out there, you know. And oh man, no, I, 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 I'm not going to tell you names either. But I subscribed <laughs> to this dog dog food subscription. I was like, yep. man, this will solve my problem, you know, like just get me the dog food here. And then my dog started getting really old, so he started eating less and less and less. Exactly. And I ended up with exactly. piles of food and to cancel it. <laughs> It was worse at canceling a magazine subscription in the 90s. Well, and this is getting <laughs> to the heart of what we think again is like that is not human agency. You know, we're talking about something that takes so much time when we really do have so many things that we'd like to be thinking about outside of that. And so in some ways, like we really just want to focus on at AE, like products and services that make things easier and have a look at like the sort of long termism of things too, which I think Melanie can talk a little bit more about. Yeah, I think like, where we really want to create products that increase agency, um, like right now, like stuff like electric SMS. But it's also kind of nice because we have this like other part of the company that's like the core business. We can also like think about things that are a little more creative, like in the, in the future, like far off things that are not immediately going to affect anything. But if they did come to pass, would have a huge effect on people. I'm really interested in like the effective altruism movement also. And I think that a lot of this stuff really like aligns well with that. Like you should kind of do things now that are, you know, good for people and help them in like the best way possible. Like we also like donate like 5% of our profits to like highly effective charities. And so that's like a thing that's good to do right now for people and improves their quality of life. But there's also like all these other things that are, you know, in the future that people are starting to think about now, like brain machine interfaces, which if you can imagine a situation where those were designed with, not that much agency in mind <laughs> can be pretty bad. Like, you know, you're, you're watching TV and you get an advertisement for like pizza delivery, right? Like <laughs> I would probably order it, but like probably would be really annoyed. Um, so, you know, thinking about also um, some of these stuff is, is another, is another thing that we're really interested in. Like we um, just hired like a BCI researcher and are um, kind of trying to think about future technology stuff as well. But still kind of applying the same the same models of like thinking about things through like a really kind of lean agile perspective and like how can we break this big problem down into like small pieces and make progress towards it is pretty exciting that we get to do that. And we're kind of working on a bunch of other like small things internally, like as well as electric SMS that are starting off. Electric SMS is definitely the farthest along, but some things are small and like fun too. Like we made um a Slack scheduler app where you can like schedule messages so you don't annoy people at random times during the day. And that was just like a thing that we spent like not that much time on just to see if people would want to use it. Um, and then mm -hmm. when people really liked it, we spent more time on it. And, you know, that's what we're, we're thinking about doing with like a lot of other stuff that worked well with electric SMS. And I think is like a good kind of way to validate ideas about things that might help people and see how they like really function in the wild and like if they're practical mm -hmm. and people will actually want to use them. Yeah, Melanie was getting to a point too that we think about a lot here at AE, which is like, we don't want to just incubate ideas. We kind of want to incubate people. And I am one of those people. And especially as like a, I don't know, quote unquote entrepreneur in the, in the past, like I wanted to have a little bit more of the disciplinary structures that I needed that I can get from a full-time job at an agency to be able to then really, when I do have a good idea, be able to execute on it. And thinking about like the work that we do for clients, it's been a very incredible uh, opportunity to build in really, really strong external structures like daily standups and 
the more agile meetings like design and story writing and estimation meetings and retrospectives, like all of that is something that we like use on a day-to-day basis that can then get applied to our internal projects. So we really don't waste that much time on anything because we're very like disciplined in our approach and how we do um, work externally. So when an idea comes about that we think would be a good idea for human agency or whatever we think, we're very disciplined in how we like approach, okay, so let me try and see if I have a customer for this. Is there someone that really needs this? And we find customers first before we invest too much time in like building something out. For electric SMS, again, like I knew that there was already a customer that was in need. And then I thought, well, okay, how can I also convince AE that I should be working on this? And what I ended up doing was I actually ended up pre-selling electric SMS. So like I gave an unlimited license to it, to our first customer. And that gave us the confidence moving forward, knowing that we were going to be able to actually invest time and, and resources into this. Oh, wow. So it's a really, really sweet spot where, again, I think there's this romantic idea as an entrepreneur or whatever that you have to like be working with like a candle burning on both ends, like literally like a candle, like wax dripping and, like by your computer and, <laughs> and like reading all of Paul Graham's essays, which you should, by the way, but like reading them and having them pasted <laughs> on your wall. And it's true. Like that really, you do need to have hustle and grit and you need to know how to just like put the work in, but having the ability to be sort of incubated at an agency, especially one like AE has been tremendously valuable for someone like me, you know, who doesn't want to be burning the candle at both ends, but really does need to have like a sort of dojo to go to and where I can practice all of my, my skills as a PM with other people's really impressive uh, startups. Like I get to watch also the founders that we work with and learn about all of their traits. Like I get to see the diligence that they have on a day-to-day basis. I get to see the sort of inspiring stuff that they pay attention to that like that I can sort of um, mimic and model after. And so it's a really interesting situation that we have at AE where where we can kind of model after like what we're working on for our internal projects, which is really cool too. And you mentioned earlier uh, that there's no VC funding, that you guys are bootstrapped, right? Yeah, AE itself is bootstrapped. And again, I think it comes from all of us having been in this situation where we were VC funded. And it's not to say that there's something super negative about it, but it's really nice to be able to make decisions free of interference. Right. And we've really sort of created a nice little incubator for that, both at AE and at um, some of these internal projects that we're working on. So it gives us the ability to just act rationally with our decision making at all times. We don't get affected by anybody else's emotions or anything. And how big is AE right now? We're um, about like 40 people right now. And that's like full stack developers and designers, PMs and data scientists mostly. We've actually grown a lot too, like over the past few years, like a lot faster than I think we were expecting to. And I think like a lot of the reason too is because like there's actually like a ton of alignment with like working on client projects and like working on internal projects. Like I think a lot of times like the people who are like the best at working closely with startup founders or like closely with like teams and bigger companies that want to be more startup and agile, like startupy and agile <laughs> are mm-hmm. people who like are also really entrepreneurial minded and like kind of get it. And so I think like having people who are interested in that at AE working on these projects is really valuable and like having the entrepreneurial mindset they can apply like when working with clients and like making decisions with them like really helps with that and like makes those projects go a lot better. It's always kind of interesting too because like 
as a startup founder, like you do get like emotionally attached to your projects. And like, we really care about our client projects going well, but we don't have like necessarily the same like biases about them that you might have as a founder of your own company where you're like, this is my baby. Like, and so it's kind of like good also to get that reality check and like to be kind of trying to make a product successful in like a very Mm. methodical way where you don't have that, like, this is my baby, like, but no, my vision or whatever, you know, when you apply that to your own startup too, I think it like, it also makes it go a lot better. And like Wes too, like with electric SMS, like he like really cares about and hustles to get it done. But like, he's also like, I think I've seen you too, like over, even over the past year, like you're like rational about it, but also like increasingly. So where like you realize sometimes then you might have to like, think of something differently than you originally did and stuff. And I think that's like a lot of it's from working really closely with clients too, where you're mm-hmm. able to kind of exercise that a lot. It's true. I mean, it, it also comes back to, you know, everybody says like, listen to your customer, but again, a founder can just be so obsessed with the idea and their attachment to it that they, they want to, but they just don't. Whereas again, we get to really just like separate at all times, the signal through the noise, like the noise is the emotional attachment and the ideas that I have or that like the team has. And then the signal is really like, well, okay, eight of our customers are asking for this. Like we need yeah. to just focus on this now and <laughs> prioritize that and just get that done. Like that's just the only thing we need to do. And that's proven time and time again to be the best sort of business model. Um, but it's through the ability for us to have that emotional discipline through the external work that we do to, to act like that. How do you pick your customers? They kind of pick us. I mean, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of really great referrals. We work well with a lot of companies, and we end up doing great work. And that's sort of a virtuous cycle there. So what? And for these people that that need someone like you to help them, like you know, execute in this idea, what what advice do you have for them? I think for me, again, I I kind of went about it the best way that you can, which is to find your first customer before you even start working on something right? Just knowing that there's someone who's out there who is willing to pay for what you're about to build. And then learning how to develop quickly, right? Like not waste too much time. And that is why we like have used Heroku as because we've used it time and time again in the past. And it's the easiest thing for us to leverage to get things up and running really quickly. Also like other external APIs that exist now, it's insane, like Stripe for payment processing, just so much exists already that can be encapsulated into what you're building. And so we try and just really encourage people to try and do as much as they possibly can on their own before coming to someone like us, because that not only proves a business model, but it also proves a certain type of personality that they're going to get it yeah. done no matter what, but maybe just needs to get a little bit more like development resources and to get a little bit more coaching on like how to do things technically. I mean, I think we also like work with people who are like a little earlier than the 10,000 customer, but like, and for them also, like we we do think like it's really important to build the MVP though. Like some things like are a little harder to do on your own, but you can still definitely do the part that Wes was talking about where it's like validating it. Like even if you don't have a product, like do some, you know, user research, like talk to people you think might want it, like, and see, you know, where the needs are. Like, is this actually something that people seem like they would use, you know? And then like when you do start developing, like we do sometimes work with people who, really do just have an idea but like they have some you know like real traction behind it like people are asking for it and they want it and like they've done research about it too and they can see there's like a real market need for it and like with them too we like 
really do encourage people to build an MVP first. Like it can be really tempting to go beyond that, right? Like, and you can think of so many ways that your product can be improved, right? But like, it is really like better to be scrappy in the beginning, because like, even if you know, customers want something in general, like specific things that might need to be pivoted or tweaked are probably going to happen too. And like, we just think it's best to like, try to get it into customers hands earlier, like doing things that really are like the basic version of what you're trying to do with like spending the least amount of time that you can on that. And then like releasing early and like iterating on it and doing like testing along the way usually makes for like a better product in the end. Like if you do this kind of like iterative, like build out. And that's also why like even during projects or working with people, we do things really agile. And like we're constantly trying to be like delivering things that are like working software to them so they can like see things as they're being built rather than just being like, I have this like huge list of things. I know people want like, here you go build Lamborghini style version of that, like all of it right away. <laughs> like in the end, it's usually not as good. And what type, what, what platforms do you recommend for people to build these MVPs when they have the idea? Um, and let's assume that they're not very, um, they don't know JavaScript, but what, what type of platforms are you working with right now? Man, I, I mean, I have to say Shopify is pretty killer. I mean, again, that's for like consumer packaged goods and e-com stuff, but Shopify is amazing the sort of CRM kind of stuff, like appointment schedulers that have payment processing in them, like Squarespace, which are really cool. And Webflow is pretty cool as well. And then a lot of plugins like Google Drive and Google Sheets and all that stuff are used in tandem with it. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of momentum in, in those in those platforms. Do people still use WordPress? Unfortunately, yeah. No, I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's not that bad. But yeah, people still definitely use WordPress. WordPress is awesome. I just, we always get like an MVP built out of WordPress and we're like, oh man. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I really, I'm also kind of a, like, I think we have just so many great new startups that are coming up and it's just amazing to watch them getting built on Shopify too. I'm really yeah. deep into Shopify's ecosystem right now with Electric SMS. So I'm really impressed with what's being built um, on top of it. I think it could all be done really well um, or way better. But yeah, I'd say Shopify is pretty great. The barrier of entry is not very steep either. Is I mean, if you're gonna if, if you can build something in WordPress, do yourself a favor and just go to Shopify. If you're gonna if you're gonna do yeah. some sort of e-commerce in there, um, it's also cool just being part of like. I know this is kind of a tangent, but like being part of like Slack communities too. Mm. Um, and just like learning from people through communities like that you're chatting with. I know there's probably some on Facebook and stuff too, but there's a lot of really cool Slack groups that are talking to one another on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, there's also like, there's the no code space is also like really kind of blowing up these days. And I think like, even if it's not like your final product that you're actually going to launch with, like you can do a lot of stuff in there to at least like, make like a little prototype of like what the functions might be for people to test out and like validate it. Okay, this is great. Um, so for all those people that are listening and that are working their side projects, they should reach out to agencies like AE to help it take to the next level and to even just refine the idea better. And We actually do, we have an incredible process. It's like a scoping session. And obviously we have to like, you know, be, be cautious and not scope everything out. But 
where we run through what's been built and like what they're looking to do. And then we talk about possible solutions and what an ideal MVP would look like. And again, like what Melanie had mentioned is we really, really, really focus on what an MVP is like minimum viable product. So um, it's a cool thing that we do at AE and I'm sure some other agencies do it, but I think we're very unique in that if you do come to us with an idea. Yeah, for those folks that want to come to you with an idea, how do you guys charge? Do you like how does that how does that work? Do they have to pay you, or do they get? Do you guys get equity in these companies that you in these customers that you help, or how does it work? Yeah, we we're we're an hourly based studio, and um, you know we we have now a little bit more experience taking in some level of ownership and equity in companies that we work with, and we know how to kind of go about that process, but really well. But again, a lot of that is that that time and materials is focused on the MVP. So we might scope something very big out, but we already get the MVP portion of it done like relatively early on. Um, so it helps us oh. to be like highly iterative. Yeah. But yeah, we're, we're also very like at AE um, at a meta level. We're really thinking about being a sort of source and centralized studio and where we can have multiple little incubated things going on and where we're like sort of sharing resources and think on a more like local global scale of how we can help our our fellow entrepreneurs and people in the area. So there's a lot there's a lot to look forward to. Um, it's definitely like the start of a really cool conversation. I think a lot of people are going to be very interested because as I said, this could help a lot of people. Um, but yeah, it was great chatting with you guys. Wesley and Melanie, this was, this was awesome. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.